Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arsketing coming to you live from North Carolina, and today is Shabbat Friday as we enter into Labor Day weekend, and we want to... Um, I'm going to be short today, excuse me for that, and I want to continue on the study that we talked about yesterday about making sure um, we're aware about what's going on in in the church from statistics from George Barna out of Arizona Christian University. Uh, But first, let's start out in scripture and, and continuing with our prayer journey of restoring the covenant blessings as so we can boldly enter into the throne room within the spiritual realm and today we want to focus on how god can be glorified through uh our actions and 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 even the things that the lord wants us to do it's not about glorifying us pumping ourselves up it's about making the name of christ and and the lord's works known and we want to look today in john 11 in the story of lazarus and the healing story that was there. And I'm going to focus uh, again on a key issue, just a key issue here is number one, we see here the Lord saying um, when he was told about Lazarus' um, death, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but to glorify God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. And that's key. And if you, you heard our my dad's podcast this morning about the healing that came about, it was about this very same thing, making the healing or in, in any scenario that we live in and walk out as ambassadors for Christ so that his name could be glorified. And then he goes on obviously the way he stays where he's at and the disciples two days longer than the disciples are like, really like, God, why didn't we go? All this stuff, because then Jesus in verse 7 says, let us go to Judea again, where Lazarus is. And then the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Um, And then Jesus answered him and says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, does he not stumble? Because he sees in sees the light in this world, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Basically talking about faith, having the faith, having that light, letting you you walk out. And, and I think there's, there's a key point there that Chuck points out through this. He says, do not fear. As Jesus is talk, talking to the disciples, like, why should we fear uh, the Jews who wanted to stone us? Why should we fear death itself? Um, he goes on, Chuck goes on to say through this, the prayer point is, is look, God is always on time. Let's let's trust him. Let's expand our faith to match what the Lord wants to do in said scenario that we're in. And in this case, restore Lazarus as Jesus already knew that the Lord wanted 
that he was going to heal um, and, and raise Lazarus from the dead. And then ultimately let him in this, our death and resurrection <laughs> of laying ourselves down as Romans one twelve talks about of 12, one, excuse me, talks about making ourselves a living sacrifices. Let him remove any death structures that is holding you captive. Anything that would want to hold us back in this season, we just want to uh, repent of so that we can walk forward uh, free into what the Lord would have us walk out. And um, with that, we want to focus and shift to the news before we get back into the study. Uh, the really the biggest thing, and, and there's some other things going on, but I want to focus on this today, is the comments made by President Biden last night in his speech. Um, I just want to be brief about this. Is I, I think we're all fully aware of where he's at, and this week we've gone through some of the steps we believe that Republicans and, and even Democrats themselves should take is, look, make it political, stick to the facts. But they're not. They're going to drum up emotions, and that's what Biden did last night in his speech of trying to separate MAGA Republicans from the rest of the country, saying he wants to save democracy. He continues to say, I want to, to unite people while dividing people, and in this campaign season that we are just now entering into, as you're going to see arrows fly – within the media, and there will be things in the spiritual realm. We have to stay low in this season, um, but as those who are interceding for the office of the president, like Daniel, we just want to intercede um, and repent for the comments made from Biden last night and more so from both politicians as both sides are showing signs of not trusting in the Lord, to put it bluntly. And ultimately intercede for the fear of the Lord to fall upon this nation, uh, not just political leaders, but pastors and, and, and individuals as well, uh, to stir up wisdom and revelation for our nation because the road we're going down, unfortunately, is a road that is, is mired with um, things that are, are in ways that we've, we've seen in the past. I guess is the best way to, to, to put it with um, George Orwell studying this stuff, looking at this stuff, seeing what can happen um, with what happened in Soviet and Germany. And, and that's something that we want to avoid as the government continues to try to overtake uh, freedoms from Americans and freedom of choice to make a child sacrifice is not the choice that God would intend. And, and, and most Americans don't want that choice anyways when studies come out and find it. Now, with that, I want to get back to the study <clears throat> and I want to review some things. I'm going to look for, we want to look further into some of these questions that George Barna went through when asking pastors, excuse me, <clears throat> about their biblical worldview. So yesterday we went through and saw, went through the study and saw that out of all Christian pastors in their, the studies average, um, was that 37% of all Christian pastors had a biblical worldview, meaning that when it came to certain aspects of life, they relied upon biblical foundations to be their understanding and their guiding light. And then we have the breakdown of the different pastoral positions, starting with senior pastor all the way down to executive pastor as it declines uh, very rapidly. 
uh, and it's very sad. And the highest uh, at the total level of what they deem someone to have a, a biblical worldview was 41% with senior pastors, as you can see here. Then we go on uh, to see that 62 of pastors, again, possess a hybrid worldview known as uh, syncretism, and that less than 1% embrace a competing worldview, such as secular humanism, Marxism, Buddhism, etc., stuff like that, of Christian, people who consider themselves Christian pastors. Now, syncretism, again, is basically just a subjective view of life, uh, taking what you want from different religions, which is just like mind-boggling that a pastor would even consider saying that. Um, and then I want to go to something of looking at the difference between pastors and other believers that they've studied before. And one of the terms they use is sage cons, who are spiritual, active, governance-engaged conservative Christians, basically politically active conservative Christians who actually adhere to somewhat of biblical moral value. So with this understanding of who, what this sage con, I want to define this name because the next slide here, we see that out of total, when they did studies on the two different groups, 37% of all Christian pastors had a biblical worldview and 46 percent of sage cons have a biblical worldview that's interesting number one to see that people who are more politically active spiritually and politically active uh, the ecclesia tend to be more have a stronger biblical worldview than some cr christian pastors of your higher national denominations within the united states very very interesting which could lead to maybe there are some politicians who know more about the Bible than, say, pastors. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if that's true. I don't, I'm don't. i not exactly sure who these studies are. They're anonymous. But they did say that they studied or they asked um, more of your higher, bigger denominations, and they weighted it based upon how the demographics of the churches lie out throughout uh, the entire country. Uh, so it's a, a very, again, it's a sample size of a thousand people. So it's just take it somewhat with a grain of salt, but I think it does show a good, somewhat of a good picture of the reality of where the different denominations stand combined. Then we go on to look at, okay, well, if it's 37% for Christian pastors and 40, um, 46% for sage cons, what does that really mean? Um, in as far as the total population, and that's interesting because Christian pastors make up less than 1% of the general population, whereas around 8% of the national adult population is a sage con who believe 46%, meaning that it's about 10 times as numerous 10 times as numerous sage cons throughout the general population have a biblical worldview than Christian pastors. So the the weight of it, if you want to say, is higher towards spiritually and politically active conservative Christians, which is quite interesting. Now, the next slide is breaking things down to a whole other level. So they, I'm going to pause here and explain this. So they, they asked pastors 54 questions and they categorize them into eight different categories. And so they, they looked at their scores based upon the eight categories and they broke it down by position. If you don't like numbers, um, you may not like this next slide, but I, I want to bring it out because I think it's very important for us to realize and see some of these things, which are very 
very alarming, but then also make us aware and sober about why we're at politically and more so spiritually in this country based upon this. So when you look at purpose and calling, that's the highest level of where pastors really fully rely upon biblical foundations for their being their guiding light of their belief and behavior. And that's, that's the, the caveat here of these questions that their categories that they broke them down is not just their belief, but their behavior. So when it comes to purpose and calling, Oh yes, yes, we can rely on biblical foundations for that. When it comes to family and life, uh, no one's above 50, no categories above 50%. That's, quite alarming um number one and and again i don't i haven't looked fully at what these questions are i haven't had time to do that yet but based upon these categories is is of god creation history i mean pat why can't pastors understand and have a biblical worldview on that faith practices sin salvation relationship you wonder why we can't deal with repentance is sin salvation and a relationship with god um, human character and nature, and look at look at how we are environmentally and in not walking out um, biblical foundations there, and, and having a mature, objective, balanced view of what we should be doing, i.e., the electric vehicles, renewable energy stuff like that. If we if we really do care about the environment, why aren't we looking at this stuff with more of a closer eye rather than just whole hard hook line and sinker going with what the government says? Um, lifestyle, behavior, relationships, uh, biblical. This one, Bible, truth, and morals. Thirty nine percent for all, forty nine, uh, forty three for senior pastors, uh, senior lead pastors, thirty two for associate and assistant pastors teaching, twenty one. But what's alarming in a lot of this is where youth pastors and children's pastors are, because when we look at the the children of the United States. We can understand this is why. Now, this is just this year. But this shows alarming statistics about who and the mind frame of, number one, who is teaching our, our children and our youth, excuse me, but also our senior pastors. Like, th this should be 99, 95, not, uh, like 100, on all these levels, on all these topics, when re referencing them and behaving them in life. And, and, and so this is quite alarming. And I was reminded of the word from Rick Joyner. They talked about during COVID. I can't remember the exact statistic. If I remember correctly, it was around 70% of churches that he felt like the Lord said was going to close down. I can't, and I can't remember if it was in the, in the world or just in America. But if you look back and we remember back towards the study, it shows around 37% of only 37% of total Christian pastors have a biblical worldview. So there, there might be a correlation there with where God gets this. Possibly are these numbers 100% solely correct? No, it's just a snapshot of a thousand pastors. But I think it shows um, a huge warning sign for believers to understand um, that we need a revival. Um, and... and I was listening to Robert Heidler teaching on the church right after Jesus with the apostles and the disciples. 
the original church. And he points it this way. He says, we don't need a ref another reformation, which is what most churches want. You know, we need to reform, get better, uh, box God into another box, <clears throat> another denomination per se, like a Martin Luther went through with the reformation of his time. And it, and it was needed, um, but there were some problems and we're still dealing with those problems as is the German church. But as he says, look, we, we don't need a reformation. We need a restoration back to the heart of the father, back to how the Lord would have wanted us to work together based upon the fivefold ministry. Um, and I'll have more to discuss on that as I continue going through Robert's teachings. But I want to um, read a few quotes from George Barna himself that he wrote about these findings um, and why it's important for us to be aware of these scenarios of, of these statistics that come out have come out on um, all these pastors and, and first off, more specifically on children's pastors. So I have a little paper here to read from that I printed out. He says, and was lays the foundation on this. He says, keep in mind why it's important to understand the, the problems with where pastors and children's pastors are, youth pastors, excuse me. He says, keep in mind, a person's worldview primarily develops before the age of 13. It then goes through a period of refinement during their teens and 20s. From a worldview perspective, a church's most important ministers are the children's pastor and the youth pastor. And they're not the worst when we look at some of these statistics as far as um, holding a biblical world value. But, I mean, that's – nothing is above – even overall – uh, pur they purpose and calling for holding a biblical worldview is less than 50, less than 50%. Uh, that is quite alarming. Now you may have your oddities, your outliers who are you know, sold out going forward. And we believe we're in that category, but is overall arching is we have to take a perspective of, of what's going on. And then um, he goes on to continue to say, he says, discovering that seven, out of every eight of those pastors lack a biblical worldview. That's like amazing that that is even possible. Um, helps to explain why so few people in the nation's youngest generations are developing a heart and mind for biblical principles and ways of life. And why our society seems to have run wild over the last decade in particular. And that's exactly true. Um. Uh, there's another uh, researcher who says that this is another strong piece of evidence that the culture is influencing the American church more than the Christian churches are influencing the culture. The research indicates that Americans are more likely to experience a positive impact of their worldview by hanging out with politically, spiritually active conservative Christians, the sage cons, than they are by being in the presence or under the teaching of pastors. That's incredible um for that to even be plausible uh yet factual but then barna gives this redemptive note of hope he says you cannot fix something unless you know it's broken other recent research we have conducted suggests most pastors believe they are theologically in tune with the bible perhaps these findings will cause many of them to take a careful look at how well their beliefs and behavior conform to biblical principles and commands. God is in the transformation business. And John West has been highlighting that lately. That That's the 
the the purpose of the Bible. I mean, you look at the hyper grace, dead religion that is trying to be preached from these pastors that we've come from is look, God is not just inspirational. He is transformational, most and foremost, as we see with the story of Lazarus. Pastors who are willing to allow him, the Lord, to transform their thinking and behavior can emerge from the process as a powerful example of what can happen when one's heart, mind, and soul are surrendered to God, Berna said. It certainly seems that if America is going to experience a spiritual revival, that awakening is needed just as desperately in our pulpits as in our pews. And and that's that's a great way um, to end that study on this subset of pastors. And look, doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, pastors are doing a bad job and, and politically active conservatives are doing a better job. Yeah, numbers-wise they may be, but they're still both below 50% overall. And that shows is, okay, you may have some who are more, some who are less. The heart of America needs a restoration of a relationship back to the Father. That's what a heart of a revival is. That's what the heart of a great awakening is. And that's what we want to cry out for um, in our cities, our states, our nations, and, and more importantly, within ourselves individually that we're going to need to repent for our own sins. Um, pick up our cross. You know, Romans 1, 12, 1 and 2. Lay down our cross. Renew our mind. Lay down ourselves. Make ourselves a living sacrifice. Renew our minds. Wait upon the Lord. Let him, him be the one who renews our strength from day to day. And walk out and be obedient to what the Lord has written about us before we were even in our mother's womb. And so... With everything that's going on politically, we, we, we have to keep that in mind is, look, we as a nation, just like the nation of Israel back in the day and even today, is called for a greater purpose and a destiny, which is to spread the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. And we ourselves here in America have become a nation to be discipled. It, it is, if anything, we need to disciple our first, ourselves first before we can consider sending out disciples uh, before as we're seeing the lack of biblical moral values and and the redemptive positive thing about that is that now we're aware now it's time to pray and do something about it and um when we have and i'm going to end on this when we have and we stand up for biblical moral values, and we see things like this, where in Shreveport, who had one of the highest uh, per capita homicide rates in the country, and the highest in the state, for the month of August, has statistically, for, per police reports, had zero homicides. Uh, there was one that happened uh, that they report about in a, a sister city, Bozier City, that came over, but the police believe it was being investigated and happened in Bozier. And and we pointed out yesterday when we posted this that in the month of August, the abortion clinic was shut down in Shreveport. And therefore, spiritually, you don't have the, the blood sacrifices happening. So major, major, major victories there uh, for life. Uh, and so we want to end on that. Thank you, everyone, for following along with us today. We'll, we'll touch on some of these things more and continue to pray and repent for where pastors stand. Um, 
where we are first looking at our own individual hearts and then and then saying okay god where do we need to get right and and we all um as scott hooper talked about in july is we all need to grow deeper and go deeper with the lord uh in this season in the coming season and what better while this time all we need to stay low just spending time with the lord in his presence and his word and gaining those those spiritual and biblical scriptural truths to be able to walk out and flee from vanity and things that are worthless so blessings to each and every one of you thank you for following along and hopefully you enjoy your labor day weekend we'll be back on tuesday continuing to stand and praying for the office of the president blessings and i'll see you guys later have a good one